Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from uh, beautiful Terrigal Beach, the Surf Life Saving Club, sitting on the balcony. Myself and former New South Wales and Australian Rugby League rep, the great Michael Butner, alongside me. Thanks also to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. We love both of those guys. And Butes, it doesn't get any better. Mate, it is absolutely sensational <laughs> down here right now. The sun is shining. And i got to tell you, it's something we haven't seen for... Probably about the best part of a week, Steve. The uh, the rain that's come down earlier this week was absolutely horrendous. The wind that was blowing, uh, really tough for some people uh, in those areas that were really affected by the flood. So, um, you know, thoughts go out to those people and hopefully they're on the mend and uh, coming good. But uh, we've got a great show coming up, Steve. Plenty of action. Yeah, well, Butch, you know I live in Pleasantville in yes. uh, Berkeley Vale, and I really feel for people along Lake Edge and Chittaway Point, Chittaway Bay, Long Jetty, at the north end of the coast as well, like yep. around Charm Haven, and then places down on the Hawkesbury, like around Spencer, that, you know, really suffered through this period. So massive, massive shout-out to the SES <coughs> and the incredible job they did responding to uh, all of the people in emergency circumstances. Uh, you know, what a fabulous job they did. And even some of my friends in the Surf Life Saving Club, so Heath Lang and also the president of North Entrance, Ches Lewicki. So they manned the jet skis and the rubber duckies and went to help people that needed, uh, needed assistance during the floods. Uh, you know, they do an amazing job, and without them, uh, you know, what we talk about one-in-a-hundred-year floods. We've had three of them in the last you know, 12 months, and it's just amazing. And, I, you know, I'm going to put a, a shout-out to the big guy upstairs, and hopefully that's enough rain for, well, for the next 12 months at least. We get a bit of sun and, and just enjoy the good weather. Yeah, let's get cracking. You said we've got a great show. So joining us this morning, Jeremy Paul will take a look at the second test between the Wallabies and England. Can you believe they got the job done last week after they had a player sent off? So we're down to 14 in Perth, and we defeat England. In fact... There are a couple of late tries that flattered the English. Yeah, I agree. And that's probably the disappointing part for the Aussies in relation to, uh, you know, they, they were so strong uh, with 14 men in that last five minutes where they conceded two well, tries. Well, I think one of them was in the 82nd minute, Butes. Yeah, just, you know what, again, I think that for me, I, I think about the way you want to finish a game and that's not the way they wanted to finish a game. And you know what, let's not get away from the fact uh, we might be a little bit critical of the Aussies here, but they've actually won, and that's a real positive. And, and they hadn't beaten the English in about eight matches. Eight? Correct. Uh, also this morning, David Hall, wheelchair tennis legend, but a young guy from the coast, 17-year-old Nick DeVivo. Now, you've seen the footage from yesterday. Yeah. Steve-O caught up with him and showed him some serving techniques. Well, I'm not sure you showed him some serving <laughs> techniques, but anyway, you look like you had a uh, 8, 10, 15-metre, 10, no, centimetre tear in your abdomen like... Uh, Rafael Nadal did with that technique of yours. Well, obviously, it's been a while since you've held a racket. Yeah, but don't forget, mate, I've got the jeans on. Yeah. 
I've got uh, a pair of Ray-Bans on, but I've still got it. You still, yeah. Well, it depends on... <laughs> you, you could probably go all right in the Masters or whatever's beyond the vintage. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what I'm really looking forward to. Dan Ryan is coming up this morning. He's the coach of the West Coast Fever. Yep. Not sure if you saw it last week, but they defeated the Melbourne Vixens in the Suncorp Super Netball Grand Final. Packed house in WA. Mm. This is a guy who was at the Thunderbirds and really struggled, but at the West Coast Fever, he's led them to their first premiership in the franchise history, and tactically, they were absolutely outstanding. So really looking forward to hearing his analysis of the match, in particular, Janelle Fowler, who was almost perfect on the night. We talked about her uh, last week with Nerida, um, and, yeah, the impact she was going to have and how do you stop her. They just couldn't stop her in the midcourt, and, you know, it was a runaway for the, the fever, which is a great effort. And as you say, Steve, he managed to take him to the promised land. Yeah, absolutely. And you could see Sue Gordian was there, who was a former coach, and you could see that everyone was on board. One of their tactics was early in the match, they were actually going for that two-point shot nearly every time, like inside that final five minutes. Mm. And because Janelle Fowler is virtually unbeatable with rebounds, they were confident to take that shot. That makes sense, doesn't it? And uh, I remember it makes what, perfect sense. Well, it makes perfect sense. If you, if, you got, if you get it in, you get two points. If you don't, you've got someone who can rebound it. Right, you know, and then you get the one point. And on that note, yeah, let's go genius. to uh, a guy who's been waiting patiently online uh, on the McDonald Jones Homes open line. Tony Clark, good morning, mate. The benchmark is back. <laughs> good morning, boys. And that makes perfect sense, Michael. Certainly does. Oh, I, I, don't see any, I don't think you have to be a genius to work that stuff out. But anyway, it's good work from the coach. Well done. TC, TC, your thoughts. Let's start with uh, last night. What a game this was. So the Knights score a couple of incredible tries and lead the Rabbitohs. And then bang, bang, bang on the left-hand side. You know, Cody Walker outstanding last night. I'd like to get your thoughts on Latrell. Is it? One of the young guys from the Rabbitohs, who's been a fringe player for a while, picks up three tries. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a great game of footy. Actually, thoroughly entertaining, though. And uh, um, the, the the Knights were um, were certainly uh, you know hanging in there for a long time. And uh, but the, but just the class of Walker, you know Mitchell, um, you know got it, got him home. I thought uh, I thought Latrell was uh, just so good to see him, happy, strong, you know, just um, looking like he's loving his footy again. There's, yeah, there's, by the way, by the way, Butes, uh, Richie Kenner it was. Yeah. So I think he's had a lot of injuries. So he scores in the 30th, 33rd, and then he scores again in the 42nd. He replaced uh, Alex Johnson, actually. So, well, you know, again, that would have been more tries for Alex Johnson, uh, who's a prolific try scorer, which is uh, no doubt about that. What about Johnson? Like, I, <clears throat> I might sidetrack us here, but I'd like to get your thoughts and also TC. We probably never thought anyone would catch Ken Ir- Irvine, but... He's got a real opportunity, Alex Johnston, and what a fantastic career he's had. Oh, he most definitely has. You know, he's an out-and-out try scorer and on, on a, a back line that he's been uh, fortunate enough to be on over these years. Um, yeah, he certainly knows how to finish. Clarky, I want to talk about the... When you think about the game last night, it's the style that suits South Sydney, where it's just the tri-fest, and they're going to back themselves most times over, I, I dare say... There's very few teams that can outplay them in that style of footy. Oh, definitely, Michael. Definitely. It was it, it, it sort of probably at a couple of stages. It looked like the old under-20 competition, didn't it? You know, with yes, um, yeah. you know, try for try and, and sort of, the, you know, defence wasn't paramount to both teams. But um, as exactly as you said, if they allow, if, if, if you allow the Rabbitohs to get into the uh, get into the, that situation, they, um, you know, they, they're, they're going to hurt them. I, 
I believe that um, you know they're they're probably the only team uh, with a chance to beat the Panthers. Actually, uh, I agree too. When you said about, I thought about that this morning, the Holden Cup, because suddenly it's it's a forty twenty eight scoreline, just a triathon, Buttes. Yeah, it certainly was, and you know they, um, you know, I think for the Knights they would be really disappointed with that last 10 minutes. To put themselves in, a, before half-time that was, they put themselves in a position where, you know, they're up 16-6, you know, the, against one of the front runners. They've played some exciting footy, and then they've just allowed three tries prior to half-time. And it was three yeah. tries in and, seven minutes. And then on the flip side, I think the Rabbitohs, like, there were some massive warning signs, particularly when Bradman Best scores, and... South just overread it, TC. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, 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 Newcastle's, um, yeah, they're just that game management for that ten-minute period, or you know, ten or twelve-minute period. Michael was this, it was the thing that hurt them. You know, they, they they just really had to get in the grind, but they they, um, which is a, a, a bit of a concern with with where they're at actually. You know, because their their plan A was great, but you know, okay, well let's just pull back a little bit, get in the half time and uh, and reassess, but. Um, they, uh, as I said, I, I love watching South when they're in that mood because it's, it's just such good footy, you know. And uh, mm. and, and as I said, I, I firmly believe that, you know, because they had a couple of fair players out last night too. Um, you know, I think I think Jason, uh, the, the coach, um, I think he said he had 40% of his salary cap out last night. So, you know, there's, mm. there's some pretty talented players to put back. So, um, I, you know, Panthers, Rabbitohs for sure for me. Yeah, yeah, good point, TC. Cam Murray's out and also Damian Cook's out. Hey, I just want just to mention about David Klemmer. So last week I saw him in the post-game interview and he spoke about himself in third person, which you know, boys, that I absolutely love. <laughs> he, he said the old David came out tonight. Well, the old David was out again last night. Well, and in the end, old David gets sent off. Uh, well, you know what, for me, that is probably the softest send-off I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And I don't know what your thoughts are, Clarky, but that's embarrassing. If that's if that's where our game is going, then you know what? It is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I, I, I didn't see see anything in it. I mean, he was frustrated with the end of the game, you know. And, and uh, I thought I thought it was pretty soft. But uh, you know, the, you know, we'll probably discuss the referee shortly, Michael. But uh, who would want to be one? You know, it's it, it's just. Um, I, I, I don't know where, where they're heading, you know, and uh, it, it uh, is certainly um, it didn't warrant a send-off last night. Well, I know in particular you want to talk about Craig Bellamy and his response to what happened uh, on Thursday night. <coughs> Take it away, TC. Oh, yeah, I, I think so. it's so important that, and, and, and with with what happened with um, um, Brandon Smith, I mean, you know, the, the, good on the referee. I, I, I'd probably, for what he said, you probably would have sent him off, you know, not just tending the bin and... And the, the difference, you know, probably the thing I've noticed this year is being back at the coalface of junior rugby league. And we just haven't got any referees. And then when you look at what we're, what we're, how, we're, how we portray them, why, as I said to them, repeating myself, why would you be a referee? I mean, the, the drama, you know, with Ricky Stewart last week, Hasler, Trent Robinson got on the bait. You know, like, it, it just drives me nuts. We've all been in situations, Mike, that you can yes. blame the referee. But, you know, did... Ricky Stewart blame who was the bloke that caught the ten metre kickoff and then threw it back to the St George bloke and scores under the puck. You know, like did he blame his players? You know, that, that we've really got to have a reset around what we do, and that's why I admire Craig Bellamy so much. There is never ever 
never a word that I was a ref's fault. It is always the player's fault. And, and as a coach, you know, it, it's very difficult. I mean, I went through a couple of grand finals where you could have gone, gee, you know, that was, uh, you know, a couple of tough calls, tough calls. But, you know, do you blame your player that missed the two tackles and let the tries in? You know, it's yeah. something, as I said, it, it, it is ultra important that we get um, away from this, this criticism. Like that, the bloke, uh, well, Peter Goff, you know, uh, Dragons, Dragons Raiders, you know, imagine refereeing in those conditions, gale force wins, and then he, yeah, sure, you know, he probably should have made a decision at the end, but he didn't. But all week, that's all we've been reading about. Get over yeah. it. Yeah. And I heard, uh, I heard Nathan Brown on Triple M last week, and he was talking about being at the Warriors, and he said you could track, you could actually track the games where a rival coaches teed off the week before they play the Warriors and then see what the penalty count is that week. And he said it happened to us two or three times, and he goes, I'd like to get some data on which coaches teed off in the press, and then they get a bit of a rails run the following week. Yeah, oh, look, that wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Um, I just... I'm with you, Clark. You, you know what? That Raiders-Dragons game last week, right? No doubt that should have been a penalty. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I get it, right? Or whatever the ruling is. And this is... A, you know what? This is the problem. So I, paint the picture for our listeners who I, may I'll have missed it. I'll paint the picture. It's... You know, they're in front of the post, uh, the Raiders, about to play the ball, right? The Hooter has gone... Or just about to go. And Ben Hunt is that marker... And basically steps around, tackles the dummy half without him being able to pass the ball. Uh, and it's, that's a six-again call, which then means it's not a penalty. And this is the problem. When you make changes to the rules, which are significant, you're going to have these issues. And when you've got people in suits that are making these calls, <laughs> right? I'm telling you, you've got people in suits making these calls. Hey, is, they this, don't, is this part of this could be rant? rant? Yeah, yeah, this is, could be it. But when you've got people in suits making these calls, they do not understand the implications and the flow-on effect because it does my head in, right? There are so many times in a game, right, where me as a captain, right, would want to take, would want to get a penalty and take the two points. Instead, I get six again, and then on the second tackle, my teammate drops a ball. That's no good to me. I want the two points, Right, it puts yeah. me four points ahead or six points ahead or eight points ahead. I don't want the six again. Yeah, well done, Butte. So that is Butner's rant early yeah, on early. this yeah, Saturday yeah. morning. Have yeah. you got another rant? Possibly. Yeah, I'll carry on. Yeah, hey, we'll hold that one back. CC, yeah. can you stay with us for one more break this morning? Yeah, definitely. Tony Clark joining us, a former Premiership winning coach on the Central Coast, nowadays involved with the North Sydney Bears. Off to our first break, we do this all thanks to Robson Civil Projects, celebrating 60 years, and also McDonald Jones Homes. Get your dream McDonald Jones Homes started today. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club up here on the balcony. And Buttes, you know you can hire this venue. I, I think they've got a birthday which is coming up, maybe a, a 30th. It's a 30th, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's also a wedding venue. Yep. Oh, mate, it is the best spot in Terrigal, without a shadow of a doubt. Like, it's uninterrupted views. Um, a panoramic is pa- the word. Panoramic. Well, it's bloody fantastic, and I've got to say. Yeah. Thanks well, to our sponsors, Robson Civil Projects, celebrating their 60th anniversary. In fact, they had some celebrations just a few weeks ago. Well done to yeah. Grant Robson and the entire team, Peter as well. Uh, thank you also to McDonald Jones Homes. And 
you can get your dream McDonald Jones home started today. And how amazing would that be to move into a brand new home, Buttes? Oh, fantastic. It'd be beautiful, mate. Beautiful. But let's go back to uh, Tony Clark, Premiership winning coach. Uh, we're talking NRL. We're talking state of origin. TC, Thursday night. Well, now it looks like Penrith. They've got one hand on the J.J. Gilton and Shield because the storm went down again, 28-6. to 6. You could get in the queue and uh, with your bookmaker, Sturm, and get the money there because they're, uh, what are they, six points clear. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the minor premiership is uh, signed, sealed and delivered. And as I said, it's going to take a, 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 a big change in um, situation for them not to be holding the, the big cup up in uh, on the first weekend of October. Yeah, Buta, I'd like to get your thoughts because I felt like the Bulldogs had a chance to beat the Sharks last week and then they come out a little under strength and Nico Hines out uh, due to COVID protocols and they just blow a depleted storm off the yeah, paddock. So yeah. where, where do you feel like the Sharks are at? Oh, look, I think they're, you know, they're around that four, five, six spot for mine. And I think, you know, with the potential of sneaking into the top four, if they can... Probably for me, get a greater level of consistency in, in what they're doing. Um, from I've got to say, a- I, I, actually, Butte, sorry, I've just got the table up. So, yep, they're a couple of games clear of the Rabbitohs in fourth. Yep. Uh, you know, they're level with the Storm now and the Cowboys. So, yeah, they've got a massive opportunity to finish one, two. Yeah, yeah, well, that's and, right. If they can keep oh, their roll on going, I, I agree with you though, and I'd like to hear TC's thoughts that Moylan had one of his best games in years yes. the other night. So. Nico Hines out, Moylan steers the ship. So, good signs for Craig Fitzgibbon, TC. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's amazing being off contract. What it's done to Matty Moylan, hasn't it? <laughs> um, the way he's been playing this year, it always, uh, you can always pick him. But, yeah, no, I, I agree with Michael. Again, he's, he's, he's probably just that little consistency factor because, as you said, with the, with the, uh, the Dogs game, you know, it, it, to me, it could have went either way. You know, uh, and, and full credit to the, to the Bulldogs, the way they played. But, yeah, you, I would imagine that the Sharks will finish top four. Um, I mean, Cowboys are, are, are just a revelation, aren't they? You know, and how good is a Terry Gould Jr., Scotty Drinkwater going? You know, like, it's just a... I think he's running third in tries this over the whole NRL. You know, it's, it's just a, a, a... He's done a great job, Todd Payton, and, and full credit to the club. I know we've mentioned it before, but for staying strong with their coach, you know, because there was a bit of drama there, but they they, they believed in him, and, and look where they, you know, they, they will probably finish second or third. Yeah, and they have worked it out, which is a great thing for the Cowboys. Mate, I want to touch on the Storm, because, you know, they don't lose two games in a row often, and, you know, they were depleted, and I think, you know, that game against Manly last week was, you know, well, definitely the scoreline didn't, wasn't a full reflection of the game itself. They scored four tries in the last ten minutes, so, you know, that closed the gap. And but their performance there was very ordinary for 70 minutes, and what they produced the other night was very unmelbourne like. There looked to be a lot of players who were doing things on their own, not the way the Melbourne Storm do it in terms of that teamwork, working together, not being the weakest link. There appeared to be some chinks in that armour for Melbourne Storm, which I haven't seen for oh, I don't know a long, long time, Clarky. Ah, oh, definitely, Michael. I, I, and I think the concern now, I don't, well, I can't remember, like, the two losses, yeah, for sure, but not with over 30 points in both losses, you know, against them. That, to mm-hmm. me, um, you know, their, their D mindset is, 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 is just changed. But, yeah, the, the thing is, 
it had to happen. I mean, here we're talking about them. They've, they've uh, yeah. you know, played 16, won 11. You know, they're, they're still running third at this stage. You know, their differential still 181 points. Um, you know, and, and, and they've dropped two games. But it, 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 very un-Melbourne like the, the, the last two weeks. TC, the countdown is on for State of Origin 3 in Brisbane. Uh, not many teams. In fact, if you go to the history books, how many have gone to the Queensland capital? You're saying two Buttes or 11? I think, 11? It, I is think that it's two? two. That's a two. I think it's two. That have gone. Yeah. Uh, what was it? 2005 and 94. 2005, Michael. Yes. Yeah, and 94, I think. I could be wrong, but... You know, often I make mistakes just to prove I'm human. Um, <laughs> TC, some big dramas like throughout the week. Uh, Jordan McLean pulls out. Um, Actually, we got the audio. We got the audio. We'll listen uh, to Jordan. So yeah, let's see what de- we're... Devastating for Jordan McLean. Let's go back to the studio to Adam Staples to roll this in. Yeah, my career's been, you know, full of ups and downs, and I've kind of been used to it. But I thought I might be, you know, a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, uh, getting this opportunity, but uh, I wasn't to be. You know what else to say? Yeah, she's don't feel too good at the minute. I still haven't talked to the family yet, so that's going to be the hardest thing is telling telling my husband I'll be playing this week. When you get the opportunities, it's, I don't know what's going to happen in the future at the moment. I'm just yeah, pretty disappointed, mate. Yeah, when I heard that, I've got to say, boys, that I actually I found it quite disturbing. Mm. Like he sounds like he needs. Maybe to have a chat to someone close to him and maybe someone professional after hearing that because the guy just sounds absolutely shattered, Butes. I, I actually heard him say leading up to or being selected in the team that his boys are seven and five and he can't, you know, they, they understand what it's about now. They understand the footy and he's playing Origin and how proud he was as a father to be able to do that. So the devastation two days later to pull out uh, because of an injury. Like, you could tell in his voice how hard that was for him. So that's a big loss there for uh, the Blues. Uh, Safiti comes in, Clarky. But the big news overnight, Munster and... Uh, what's his name? The winger from the Cowboys. Murray, somebody. Talangi. 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 Yeah. Uh, there's concerns about their... Mate, I can't pronounce any of those Polynesian names, so I'm not even going to try to. Um, but... The, Concerns about COVID, and I know they've oh. got to get a PCR, PCR test, but they could be out of the uh, the Origin game. Huge news, Michael. Huge. It, uh, as I said, what we know when you just said then, you know, ninety four, two thousand five, the only times we've gone up and 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 won a decider there. So we know what we're up against. But uh, um, I think now that if, if Munster's out, uh, I think they're sending him for a PCR, which is probably probably back by now. But you'd, you'd think you'd be learning towards the way that he is going to be out. And of course, with Murray, um, we'll call him Murray, that he's out too. You know, it's, especially when you when you're only what three days out, four days out from uh, yep. from playing. You know, it, it, it's huge news, huge news, and um, um, you know, it, it has to play um, into, because, as I said, I I was leaning towards Queensland. You know, fifty six thousand people. Um, we know, you know, what, what what they do there, and uh, but I think now with with Munster out, that um, it really plays into the hands of uh, of New South Wales. What, what do they do, Butte? Who comes in? Well, that's a really good question. I think Corey Oates comes in on the wing, but as you're 5'8", mate, I, I don't know. I don't, TC, I don't. have you got an answer? Well, I, I, I'd, I'd be playing Ben Hunt. I, you'd, you'd, you'd be bringing, let him, let him um, uh, play alongside... Um, uh, and, then, and then Harry Grant um, starts. Tommy. Harry Grant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you've got young... I'd be bringing young Dearden onto the bench. But also, so you've got Sammy Walker's been part of the... 
um, you know, the, 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 the extended squad for, uh, for, the, for the, the Origin previous. So, you know, do you, do you throw one in there? I, uh, but but I, look, I think you know I'd, be, I'd be going a little experience with, with Hunt. I, th- I think Ben Hunt's having his best year ever. Um, ben yeah, Hunt, I, I start with Harry Grant, and then you've got Tommy Deaton on the bench. I, yeah. don't, I don't think you lose anything with Hunt there. Right. Oh, sorry. You do lose something because uh, Munts is a great player. But, but what I'm saying is, let's not forget he's a man of the match at that level. Correct. He, he, but what you yeah. lose is that rotation around the dummy half. Now that's the that was the key factor for them in game one. That was the for me that was the difference in game one. For me, I think the key factor for Queensland TC, and we're on our way to the news, so we'll make this short. But defensively, after Perth, that should be their key focus. What are your thoughts? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, it, it, it's something that, again, you know, we said um, Melbourne-like, well, that's sort of un-Queensland-like, wasn't it? So, yeah, that'd have to be your focus this week. And, again, the disruption with, with Munster and, um, and Murray out, uh, you know, is, is, is not going to help their cause. Gee, I'll tell you, just on Murray Talungi, he's still a teenager, isn't he? So those young cowboys, again, you go back to Todd Payton mm. and his development up there, and also... It was very, very difficult as a transition. And TC, you'd know this as a coach, but the way he's handled JT, Jason Taumalolo, has been, like, uh, it's been really interesting to watch. So you're taking a superstar, a Dalian medalist, and you're changing his role. And that must be so difficult as a coach. Oh, it is. And as I said, uh, repeating myself, you know, the, the, the club showed strength behind Peyton for, for what he was doing in. What it proves, unlike the West Tigers, the inmates aren't running the asylum. Yes, and it, yeah. And, and, and they've got the strength around the coach, the board. Uh, you know, their off-field, uh, you know, is, is, is terrific. And, and that's that's what's helping them because, you know, they were told this is what we're doing. And as you said, you know, like he's a, he'll be a legend of the game, JT. And, and, and for him, you know, to, to find a new role, credit to, to how they're operating up there. Yeah, and a weaker club would have rolled the dice on the coach. Mm-hmm. And the players would have won Buttes. Yep, to appease the, uh, the top-line player. Yeah. TC, we've got to leave it there. We're going to Nick DeVivo next, who's uh, part of the Danica Clark Foundation. And, of course, the Danica Clark Foundation Gala Night is coming up early next month. Tickets on sale now. And not sure, TC, whether you saw the Nick DeVivo story on NBN TV last night. I did, Steve. It was a great story. A little bit hesitant with your serving, but... Um, yeah, <laughs> terrific, yeah. Terrific yeah. young kid, um, Nick, and uh, and and yeah, such a so we're so proud to have him part of the foundation. Yeah, great to have you on the show, mate. We'll talk again soon. Good on you, boys. Have a great day. Tony Clark joining us, Premiership winning coach locally and nowadays involved with Jason Taylor at the North Sydney Bears. The show all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. And don't forget, get your dream home, get your dream McDonald Jones home started today. Talk to the team at McDonald Jones Homes. Off to the news, Nick DeVivo. Talking tennis right after this. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back to Terrigal Surf Club, Saturdays on the Coast, with Steve Allen and Michael Butner. Great day, Steve. How good is it here, my friend? Oh, yeah, it's just glorious. I mean, this is heaven on earth, Buttes, no doubt about it. I tell you, there's been a lot of highlights this week. So Dan Ryan is coming up, the coach of the West Coast Fever. Yep. Winners against the Melbourne Vixens in the Suncorp Super Netball Grand Final. Sold out house. So 
we've had that. We've had Wimbledon, which I've been loving through the week. In fact, my son, Corey, was there last oh, week. That's right. We tried to get him on the air. Unfortunately, we couldn't get him. But Yes, sl- slapped a media ban on himself. <laughs> uh, we've had the Tour de France, which has been absolutely awesome as well. And yesterday, I had the chance to catch up with this young guy, 17 years old, six foot six, serves at 220 k's an hour, and is about to cap the New South Wales All Schools at the Nationals over in Perth. Nick DeVivo, good morning, mate. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Nick, you've got training coming up in about half an hour from now, but uh, just tell us, mate, it's been an incredible year for you, including a win in the singles and the doubles in Foster just a couple of weeks ago. Yes, so down, uh, I was up in Foster for the New South Wales Country Champs, like massive event, so, yeah, it was really good to get the win in the singles and doubles. Yeah, tell us about who you played in the singles and also you played with your coach in the doubles, which I'd imagine was a, a real highlight for you. Yeah, I mean, in the singles, I came up against some really tough uh, competition. Had a really close one in the semis against um, Rain Boyden from Newcastle, who I've uh, played four times in the past couple of months, and we've kind of gone two wins each. So, yeah, it was good to get the win over him in that one. And then in the doubles uh, with Jono, it was just, yeah, really good experience playing with him. Gave me some good tips. So it was really good we got through that. Nick, this tournament in Foster, was it a um, was it an all-open age or was it a junior division? Uh, yeah, so it was open age. Um, yeah, so any age group, really. Yep. So it was people um, from juniors in tournament and, like, 30-year-olds. Yeah, right, mate. And, mate, just, you know, obviously being six foot six and being able to serve the way you do at 220 k's an hour, like, that's ridiculous. Mate, how important is that for you in terms of, you know, getting your first serve in? Because I dare say any opponent up against you, just to return them, to get a racket on it for starters, um, is a mighty effort. But to get a return back into play, that serve is such a valuable tool for you. Yeah, it's um, massive for my game. So, yeah, as like with my serve, i just got to make sure I'm trying to um, be as consistent as possible while serving as hard as I can. So it allows me to get a lot of free points and means I can um, uh, use less energy, I guess. Mm. Hey, hey, Nick, uh, I'll just give our listeners some background info. So you're at Brisbane Waters High. You're about to sit the HSC later on this year, and... Brisbane Waters have been fantastic with you and your sporting commitments, so well done to Brisbane Waters Secondary College. But you also spent some time at the Mecca for tennis. You spent some time in Florida. Can you tell our listeners about that experience and what the, and what the feedback was? Yes, yeah, so I was in, over in Florida for about two and a half weeks training over there in the academy. Um, yeah, so that was just a really great experience just to kind of see what the level was like over there, like if I'm at the right level with my game. And, yeah, brought back stuff I can work on back home, which was really good. It's, a, it's a pretty well-worn path, isn't it, Buttes? Uh, young tennis players going to Florida to work on their game. Yeah, you bet. And I think it's a, a great opportunity for Nick. How did you find it, Nick, over there? And, you know, being able to come back from there and assess where you're at where do you see yourself and what parts of your game do you need to work on? Um, so, yeah, over there, I guess the conditions were a bit slightly different. So just coming home, working on my cardio, 
uh, fitness aspect of my game and uh, a few technical changes in my forehand, which is um, yeah been really good and has helped me over here improve my game. Hey, Nick, uh, I'm about to ask you about uh, Brisbane because I know you head up there this week for some more intense training, and that's followed by a couple of tournaments on the Sunshine Coast. But have you looked at the SEN track page, the Facebook page, and uh, there's some slow-mo footage of Steve Allen serving yesterday for the MBN story, and you are in the background and you look absolutely riveted at my technique. I mean, what is did it, you... Is that slow motion? Uh, I thought that's how you looked when you are normally serving. I mean, what did you learn yesterday in terms of the serving technique from uh, Steve Allen? Yeah, look, overall, I did not think it was too bad. Considering wow. yeah. you haven't picked up in a racket in a while. Yeah. But I reckon uh, a few lessons. I reckon we could get you in some competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Nick, you're being very, very generous. I saw it, and it is abysmal. <laughs> and if, I've got to question your, I've got to question your ability to assess someone's yeah. game. If you're saying that that's okay, you know what this means. What to mean? You and I were taking on each oh, other. Oh, let's bring it on, mate. Bring put, it on. We'll head, up, yeah. we'll, we'll head up the Star of the Sea. We'll yeah. have a tennis court up there, and we'll have a crack. No, no, we're going to Gosford. Okay, ja- where? Ja- Jackie DeVivo will set it up. Right and I'll wear the McEnroe headband. Maybe that's where we should do our show for the next couple of weeks. Let's go there. Do the show from there, and then it's on. Speaking of the DeVivo family, uh, Nick, you must be inspired by your dad. So he's a little older than me, but he is absolutely the real deal. It was fantastic to watch father and son yesterday just going at it. Some fantastic rallies. And, you know, he played, I think he had a world ranking. Uh, He played overseas, and it was just terrific to watch you two yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he's helped me a lot. Like, he's been coaching me since I was um, three years old. He's been the main uh, kind of coach, and was, he's the one I pretty much dedicate like, my career to. And, yeah, he's got me to this level. So he's been unbelievable help. And it's good to have him out on the court as well, keeping him fit. Steve, I find it amazing that, you know, he's gone down this tennis path after that amazing song that he was part of too, you know, Whip It. <laughs> you remember that? How good were they back in the 70s and 80s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Devo. Oh, Devo, yeah. Hey, uh, Nick, uh, you'd, uh, stick to the sports show, <laughs> stick mate. Stick to the sport, yeah. Le- leave the comedy to the experts. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, Nick, um, so you're off to Brisbane. Tell us about that. So you're working with the national coach, and then you're off to Caloundra after that, and then a little later in the year, you're captain New South Wales. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, so heading up to Brisbane tomorrow, actually, and training for the week up there in the National Academy. Uh, working specifically with uh, Brent Larkin, who's the head coach there. So, yeah, he's been great help um, last few months. Yeah, and he'll get me kind of prepared for that uh, pro tournament I have in Caloundra. Hopefully I can um, do a bit of damage there, which would be unreal. Um, and then Pizzi Tarpa in end of August uh, over in Perth um, should be a great great teams event which you don't see often in tennis so yeah it'll be a big responsibility being captain of the team hopefully we can uh, get the win over there which will be good Nick where do you see yourself you know in three years time five years time ten years time in terms in terms of your tennis career you've been over to Florida you've got the ability to assess where you're at against other people around the world 
uh, as you go on this journey, and we see, you know, what's happened with Nick Kyrgios, and, you know, he's 26, 27 years of age, made his first Wimbledon final, which is fantastic. Where do you see yourself, and how, how do you see that playing out for you? Um, so, well, I mean, in three years, I'd like to be um, playing, or uh, be well in the top 100. I'd like to see myself in the top 50 in the world, which would be, mm. which isn't my goal. Um, short, like, short-term goal next next year, just playing all of the futures and challenger circuits, which is the uh, step below that kind of ATP tour, and, um... I'd love to make, get into the Australian Open uh, next year in the qualifying, which, yeah, that's my goal at the moment. And yeah. going down to nationals, obviously, which Danica Clark's funding could get me into that. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, you spoke yesterday about Danica Clark Foundation. How does it feel as a young athlete with 101 athletes as part of the cohort and now you're a scholarship holder as well? Yeah, so being a part of that foundation has just been awesome. Like, you know, with all the other athletes, they're going through that same kind of process and even um, learning about their stories and knowing they're going through all the same kind of struggles as well, which can really be comforting as a high-level athlete. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's awesome to have the backing of that foundation, which has really helped me. Uh, yeah, well said, years. mate. Well said. Uh, Nick DeVivo, you're getting a right on, standing ovation from uh, Buttes and myself at Terrigal Surf Club this morning. I know you've got training in around about 14 minutes with John O'Cooper. Well done, mate. Congratulations on everything you've achieved so far this year. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Nick DeVivo, a local tennis star, 17 years old. I tell you, he is a giant, Buttes. He's yeah, six foot six. And still growing. How would he be big size-wise? How many kilos? Yeah, look, I mean, I don't not know whether... Not sure if Nick's still on the line, but I would guess that he would be... He'd have to be in the 80s. Yep. Uh, Nick, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still on. Uh, yeah. What are you weighing in at, my friend? What do, what do I weigh, sorry? Yes. Um, I think I'm at around 87 kilos. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a solid frame. You're very intimidating when you get out there on the court. And so, you know, that, yeah, and the beauty of it is you've still got to have that agility out on the tennis court and yeah. get around. And that's it, probably the hardest part for someone if, as big as. If um, you look at his dad, his dad's a, a solid unit. And yep. actually, it was really interesting to watch yesterday how hard his dad had to work to kind of match the power. Because as you know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Yes. And you could see just how hard... <laughs> yes, you, could, <laughs> you could see just how hard Rob was working to stay in the points against his young son. Hey, we've got to go to a break. The show all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Back in a moment, we'll catch up with David Hall and we'll dissect the Wimbledon finals this weekend. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Terrigal Surf Club on the balcony. And if you had to paint a picture, so the sun glistening off the water, it's low tide at the moment. Uh, to our right, we just saw some outrigger paddlers come in. So they're on their singles, single outriggers. Yep. And we can see some stand-up paddle boarders at the moment. And 
probably about half a foot at the moment, so not much more than a ripple. We've seen quite a few swimmers go out in their wetsuits and literally hundreds, maybe thousands of people doing the beautiful walk here where you can go around to the Skillion, which is probably one of the world's greatest landmarks, Buttes. Well, well, it's up there with, you know, the Milan. Eiffel Tower and <laughs> all those other great... And Lake Como in Lake Italy. Lake Como, where yeah. My son, uh, I mentioned he was at Wimbledon. He's actually just been in, in uh, Venice. Oh. And had a ride in the gondola. Have That's you been a, there? I have been there. It's a beautiful spot. And you once went in Venice, you've got to go do a gondola ride. That is for sure. Yeah. AFL Geelong winners in Thursday night footy yep. against the reigning Premier, the D's. And they, they didn't kick well, though. They were challenged in the last quarter. So, end score 91 to 63. Yeah. And you said they didn't kick well. 20 behinds. I think it was 19 behinds. Yeah. So, but when they were challenged, they were good, the Cats. Yeah. Uh, Sydney last night, they're a good footy team, Sydney. Shouldn't have lost to the Bombers last week. They held a comfortable lead and they ended up winning by over 50 points. They have spanked the Western Bulldogs, who were runners up in 2021. Yeah. Puts them in fifth spot at the moment uh, on percentages. And Carlton and Collingwood are on the same amount of points. They'll probably win their games this weekend, which takes them to 44. But nevertheless, that, that probably drops uh, the Swans down to 7th or 8th. Nevertheless, um, they're sitting pretty at the moment. They're playing some good footy, and that's a strong win against the Bulldogs. Hey, Butes, we're going to talk to uh, David Hall shortly. So the greatest of all time in wheelchair tennis. I can't believe we've got two women in the Wimbledon final, and yeah, I'm not going to claim to be any kind of expert. Like, I, I haven't heard of Rybakina. No. Uh, she's the 17th seed in Jabur, who's ranked number three. So one of them is, is it Tunisian? And, and the other is a Russian Kazakhstani. There you go. Uh, so I guess with Ash Barty dropping out and Serena went out in, in round one, we've got a changing of the guard. Suddenly your interest in the women's game is probably not as strong as it once was. And, you know, we remember the hype around the Australian Open and, uh, and, of course, Wimbledon last year with Ash Barty winning that. But now that she's not there, um, look, I guess all the focus, well, for me in particular, has been on the men's. And in particular, what you know, Nick Kyrgios has done, how he's managed to get through the Wimbledon final, which is fantastic, up against the Joker. I know we're going to talk to Hawley about it, but, wow, what a game it is. You know, the men really had a good week. Uh, so, Demon Orr, unlucky. Yep. Uh, we had another player get to the fourth round, which was fantastic. And, yeah, like you said, we'll dissect all of this with David Hall after 10 o'clock this morning. Butes, um, your thoughts, like, around... I mean, are you going to tee off now on... No, not enough Nick time. Nick Curios, you're no, going to hold... Not enough time. You're going to hold your thunder. Not enough time. What are your thoughts around Origin? So, you said you might actually go up there, but the game is a sellout. Uh, we spoke to TC about it, so give us your thoughts as a former Origin player. Well, I've got to say, it's uh, always exciting going into Game 3 when it's one all, and uh, to head up to Suncorp, there's no greater challenge for the Blues players than this right now. Uh, things have probably fallen favor- favourably for them, with you know the chance of Munster and Talagi being withdrawn from the side. The confidence they have on the back of what happened over in Perth, um, and, and you know what? They're a good side. This blue side is very, very good. So for me... So you think they can get the job done? I think they can get the job done. As hard as it has been in the past, I think they're good enough. It doesn't... You know, those eight Penrith players make all the difference. Off to the news. 
David Hall is coming up next. Also, Dan Ryan, the coach of the West Coast Fever, in our second hour. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back to Heaven on Earth, a.k.a. Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club, up here on the balcony. Yeah, Steve, I've got to say, it doesn't get much better. Terrigal doesn't get much better than this right now. Sun is shining. It's flat out there, just a little ripple coming in. It is absolutely magnificent. And when you consider what we've gone through over the last week and a half in terms of the rain and the wind and, you know, the flooding, um, it's nice to see the sun out. It's great to see people out enjoying the sun, people walking down on the beach here, uh, people playing in the sand, the kids having a great time, uh, and of course, plenty of people exercising and walking their dogs. So yeah, it's great to see. And thank you to everyone at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club, including Kev Porter, who lined this up for us. Uh, don't forget the text line 0477 736 the McDonald Jones Homes open line 1300 42 15 Who wins Origin and why? 1,300, 42, 15, Hey, Butes, I think it's time for a standing ovation. The oh. greatest of all time in wheelchair tennis is back on the show, David Hall. Good morning, mate. Good morning, boys. How are you doing? Uh, we're well, gee, it's great to have you back on, mate, and to hear your dulcet tones. We were, uh, we were just discussing a moment ago about the women's final and a, a real changing of the guard. How do you see that match tonight Number three versus number 17 in the rankings. And one of the ladies is from Tunisia, I believe. The other's a Russian-born Kazakhstani. Can you tell us more? Well, it's such an inter- interesting story, I think, that Ons Jabur, the Tunisian, 27 years old, the first African player to play in a women's uh, Grand Slam final, which is saying something in... 100 years of, of Grand Slam tennis. And it's pretty much a, a tale of two different players. She's got the touch. She's got the drop shots, the lobs. I think she'd go really well in, in like, midweek ladies' doubles. You know, she's <laughs> just got a really interesting game. And the fact that she's playing Elena Rybakina. And as you said, Russian-born, lives in Moscow, but... She changed nationalities about four years ago uh, to Kazakhstan. And now, crazily enough, she's in the Wimbledon final. So she avoided the whole Russian ban and she's the power player. And she's just played incredibly well these two weeks. She's hit 49 aces. She's got a rocket of a serve. And I think this is a good matchup. I think just for, for pure tennis viewing... I think this will be a really good final. Yeah, so Jabur, if you missed the semi-final, she got it done in three sets. And Rybakina, I mean, in terms of a form guide, a win against Simona Halep, 6-3, yeah. 6-3, Yeah, I, I did see a bit of the semi-final, Holly, uh, with Jabur playing. And I've got to say, she's very unorthodox. You know, those drop shots, the way that she... It's almost at times like you when you're playing ping-pong table tennis yeah she's got that you know she puts a hell of a lot of spin on it and you know what it sounds like she's gone to the ash barty school of unorthodox tennis yeah correct and it's like it is unorthodox again i i may be wrong here but from what i saw it was really odd the way that she was playing but obviously very effective though 
Well, I think her game just really suits the grass. And I think yep. that they haven't, like, they haven't changed the grass enough that you can really utilise those slices and drop shots and, and lobs. And, and it really is an all-court game. And I think she's been the player over the last few years that everyone knew on the tour that if she could put her game together at the right time, which she has done these, these two weeks, then you could say that she could be a potential Wimbledon champion. And she's just done that, like, magnificently. And, and for me, this is the, the great thing about this matchup is that you get the contrast because you get Rybakina who is just going to try to rocket the ball around the court and if like if that's working against Ons then she can go to a plan B and a plan C she's got that variety in a game that she can like over the course of a three set match she can turn that around yeah Hawley who wins you know what? It's a tough one. It's such a tough one. I think the longer this match goes, I think Ons Jabeur will win it because I think her variety over time will eventually win out. And, mate, uh, the one that Butes wants to get to, the men's singles final. <laughs> Can you believe we've got an Aussie in the final? Uh, Nick Kyrgios, who got a walkthrough. I guess you want to start with talking about Rafael Nadal and his injury. Yeah, look, it's such a shame for Rafa. Um, he's, he's had various injuries over the years with uh, his foot, and now he's got the abdominal strain. I think it's it's such a shame because I think every everyone was just so looking forward to this Kyrgios matchup because there was a little bit of bad blood, I think, between them in the past, and I think it was going to potentially create a lot of fireworks, but it's just a shame for Rafa. I mean, he was still in the running for the calendar year Grand Slam. And, of course, that's gone now. But, um, but he'll be back, I think, US Open. I think he should be, he should be mm. fine for that. It's, um, he's done well, Kyrgios, in terms of the way that he's gone about his, the, the, the tournament itself. Um, and, obviously, the lead-up to the quarterfinals with um, those assault charges. He seemed to handle the situation on the court extremely well. He was able to focus on his game uh, as opposed to be distracted, which we know in the past that he has been easily distracted, uh, Nick Kyrgios. But on this part, he really focused on his game and, you know, ended up winning that quarterfinal in straight sets. What is there a huge advantage for Nick Kyrgios going into this final, having that semifinal off? Yeah, it's a funny thing because if you do get too much time off during a tournament, it can kind of upset your rhythm a bit. Mm -hmm. But with Kyrgios, you just never know. Like, because he's such a player that's outside the norm of what you would think would be a normal professional tennis player that you just never know. You never know what you're going to get. Like, is he going to come out and, and just be the same personality that he's been the last two weeks where he's, yelling at his box, yelling at someone in the crowd, he's talking to himself, you, you potentially could get into an argument with a guy on the other side of the net, you know, you never know, or is he just going to come out flat? But, well, I, look, I think he's just going to treat it like a regular match, even though it is a Wimbledon final, and I think if he can have his usual personality, I don't think he should tone things down at all, because I think he actually plays better when he is fired up and in that combative mode but I don't think I don't think having this extra match off I don't think it'll affect him 
Yeah, you just answered a question I wanted to find out. Does he play better when he's on edge and volatile? Uh, I know Butes wants to tee off. He's got a rant coming up about Nick Kyrgios. But <laughs> what, what were your thoughts about Djokovic versus Norrie? And so Djokovic gets the job done in four, two, six, six, three, six, two, six, four. Look, I think Novak is a bit scratchy. I think that that first set and a half, he was—he uh, even ad- admitted it on his on-court uh, interview after the match that he didn't really swing through the ball like he normally does. I think he's actually feeling a little pressure because he knows Grand Slam-wise, this is his last chance probably this year that he can nab a slam because it doesn't look like he'll be able to play the US Open because of his vaccination status. So... I think he's feeling the pressure and I think he did enough to win that match because I don't think Norrie's really got the firepower to, to, to beat him at that moment. But, yeah, Novak is looking a bit scratchy and I think Kyrgios has a real chance here. Hey, hey David, are you excited like uh, Butes and, and myself are? Like, I go back to Pat Cash. I remember sitting up. I was at Chugan late night and this is pre-internet where you had to watch sport live because... <laughs> because the chances of seeing some kind of replay were limited. And, uh, you know, what an incredible night that was where he climbed into the crowd. But, you know, they're so hard to win. They're so hard to get to a final. And to have an Aussie there is absolutely amazing, regardless of the fact that he got a walkthrough in the semis. You know what? That's right. That's right, Steve. Whatever your opinion is on Kyrgios, it is pretty rare, especially the last few years, uh, to have an Aussie in the men's final. Like we've done it, you know, throughout the years with Leighton and Philippoussis and Rafter and, as you said, Cashy. Mm. But these things don't tend to come along that often. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is. Wimbledon is synonymous with late nights and bleary eyes the next morning. But uh, it, it's almost tradition that you, you make a cup of tea late, you get a couple of cookies <laughs> <laughs> and you uh, park yourself in front of the TV and then get ready to go. Hey, he, by, he, the, by the way, boys, sorry, Butes, I'm nah. just going back to the Pat Cash win. So that's 87. Then if you go through the honour roll, so Stefan Edberg, Boom Boom Becker's around that time. 17-year-old. Ed, Edberg wins a couple of times. Michael, Michael Stitch wins in 1991. There's an upset for you. Andre Agassi. Nope. Look at the great Pete Sampras and how many times he's won the event. Goran Ivanizovic pops up against Rafter in 2001. That one is an absolute epic and is 9-7 in the fifth, followed by Leighton Hewitt the following year in 2002. And then the superstars take over. So from then on, it's Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and Andy Murray pops up and wins one as well. But... It's basically the big three from that moment on. Yeah, yeah, and it's been a phenomenal reign uh, for those. And I'd be interested in your thoughts, Ollie. Uh, is it going to be a continuation of that reign of these three superstars? Uh, Djokovic obviously being the man now who's in that position. Or can Nick get the job done? Uh, Butes, I think it is going to be a long match. I think Curios uh, is going to want to turn this into a theatre. Because I think actually the crowd will be more for Kirill. <laughs> and I think he is going to want to create this, this crazy atmosphere where things are combative because he's, he's going to want to tilt Novak off his axis. And I think he's got the potential to do that. But Novak, he knows that 
as I said, this is his last slam probably for the year, and he, it's critical that he wins it if he wants to stay in this this arms race with with Rafa in terms of the slam tally. So I'm actually going Novak in five sets. Hey, speaking of five sets, I'm just going through the numbers here. So you've got to feel for someone like Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick's a three-time runner-up. One of his matches in 2009 finishes 16-14 in the fifth set. <laughs> Absolutely incredible, isn't it? So for players that came through that era with the big three... Yeah, you're basically playing for a second prize, but what a way to go go down fighting for Andy Roddick in that 2009 final. Yeah, well, that, that's the crazy thing. Just imagine if he'd won that final, then he's always known as a Wimbledon champion. Like, no one can ever take that away from you, and, and you're right. But it, through history in this era of the big three, all those slam finals are littered with players that, that got there in the moment, but they could never get back or get over the hump and actually win a slam. And so those guys, that level of domination will probably never happen again. And for Kyrgios, this could be his one and only chance that he ever makes it this far into a slam. I mean, considering the last time he was in a quarterfinal at the 2015 Australian Open, and that was the furthest he'd gotten at a slam in the last seven years. So... From his perspective, he might, he might not ever make it back to this position, so he's going to want to take his chance right now. Hey, David, one final question. Is Sammy Stozer through to the mixed doubles final? Mate, that is a very good question, and to be honest, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I would uh, love she is. To yeah, she is. is. She's through with, uh, uh, is it Matthew Ebden? Yeah, so she yeah. is through. Yeah, and oh, uh, Adams, Adams confirmed that back at headquarters. And I believe is the Central Coast player, so Matt Ebden and Purcell. So I believe um, Max Purcell grew up on the Central Coast. Yeah, so wow. they are through to the doubles final, uh, which is just sensational news and can't wait for it all to unfold. Standing ovation for the greatest wheelchair tennis player of all time, David Hall. Thanks for your time this morning. Good on you, boys. Take take care. Yeah. How good to have David Hall back on the show, Buttes. Oh, I just have the insight, you know, that understanding of the game itself. He's fantastic. He knows it. He knows the game so well. And <coughs> pardon me. Sorry. He's going to. I know. Choked. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you all right, buddy? Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, I've got you back. Yeah, yeah. But he's um. Look, it's going to be a great game. There's no doubt about it. And it's great to see some Aussies, uh, some other Aussies in the uh, mixed doubles final. Fantastic. It's going to be a great tournament for the Australians. And um, gee, you know what? I'm not going to tweet off for Nick Kyrgios only because, you know what, he's, I don't, I'm not a fan of his and what he does off the field, uh, off the court, <laughs> even what he does on the court. But what I will say is he's representing Australia. He's in a Wimbledon final. I've got his back, Steve. I've yep. got his back. All right, we're off to a break. We'll talk some rugby in just a moment. The Wallabies got the job done. 14-man Wallabies got the job done against England last weekend. They can wrap up the series in Brisbane tonight. We'll also catch up with Dan Ryan, coach of the West Coast Fever, the Premiers, for the first time ever in Suncorp Super Netball. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. 
Yeah, welcome back live. We're at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club uh, on the balcony here. Next week, Buttes, we go back to the hockey. The yes. New South Wales Under-13 Championships. So there'll be thousands on, on the coast. Mm. And I did hear via Brett Johnson that it will probably generate between one and a half and $2 million to the Central Coast economy. Fantastic, isn't it, that they have that facility up there that's able to uh, accommodate uh, these types of tournaments and bring that much... Uh, value and, um, you know, a boost to the economy. It's fantastic. Yeah, they, they could maybe put a third playing surface in and that would mean they could attract even bigger, bigger. tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the moment, a Terrigal... Oh, by the way, in a fortnight's time, we'll be at the New South Wales Pool Rescue Championships, which are being held at Woi Woi. So the Central Coast holding another big event. Uh, here at Terrigal, at the moment, we can see the dive boat coming in. So that's a way to our right. Uh, so in the haven at the mm, moment. Yeah. So probably on their way back from the ex-HMAS Adelaide Buttes, which is between Terrigal and Avoca. Yep, I would suggest so. And uh, it's, I haven't been out there myself, Steve, for a dive, but uh, I, there's a lot of people that get out there. I went boxing this morning and they're coming and going non-stop. So. Yeah, it'll be amazing. Yeah. Hey, let's go to Jeremy Paul, the man who's done it all, a World Cup winner, also a John Eels medal winner. JP, good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. And you predicted correctly last week... The Wallabies got the job done against the English in Perth. Yeah, morning, boys. Thanks for having me on. Um, down there in the lovely Terrible. Uh, it's just so nice to be dry, isn't it? Uh, um, yeah, what a performance with 14 men last week. Um, bit of a silly back to the old days with the headbutt. Couldn't believe it. Um, I, I dare say, yeah, JP, great. the headbutt back in your days would have been a little bit different to the headbutt that was uh, sent <laughs> off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, JP, you know, I was pretty disillusioned after seeing that. So Darcy Swain sent off, but it was the earlier incident where his hair was being pulled by the English forward, and I know he retaliated and he can't do that, but the English, English forward got 10 minutes, our boy gets sent off, and at that point I was just shaking my head because I felt like the first infringement was worse. Your thoughts? Uh, mate, a lot worse. Um... He would have been better off punching him. Like, and I don't condone violence, please. Um, <laughs> but um, when someone's pulling your hair, like, I, well, I played with a guy called George Smith when he used to have long dreadlocks, and he used to get his hair pulled all the time. Like, he would actually, like, he'd pull out like three or four locks, dreadlocks after the game from guys continuously pulling his hair. So, oh, mm. it's good niggle. Uh, the English have always been good nigglers, but. Um, Darcy Swain probably should have controlled himself a little bit better and um, you know he's a young guy um, has a big future in the game but look you've you got to get you, you just got to wrap Australia's um, performance not, not from the fact that they won but with Quade Cooper pulling out 30 minutes before the game James O'Connor is having a hot dog and a beer I think up in uh, <laughs> doing his promotions before the game and he comes in and Noah Lalatio has come in and played an absolute barnstormer of a game. Um, so it shows that there's a bit of ticker amongst the side, if that makes sense. It's just, look, there's, there's a lot of, um, I suppose, areas we can improve on. Attack wasn't that great, but um, and defensively letting in those last two tries. But what, what we're seeing now, though, boys, from a great super rugby uh, campaign this year against New Zealand teams, is we're starting to create a wonderful bit of depth within positions. And that was evident, obviously, with Noah last week slipping in for Quaid. But some of the changes this week, um, big Tanner, 
can I hear can I hear la? Tutu. Like, <laughs> how do I pronounce um, The big Tom and Thor. Mate, he's been one of my favourite players for about four years. Um, the kid is just, he's still only 24, going on 25. And the guy is just, he's 134 kilos, I think. And he's, I think he's five foot ten and five foot ten wide. Like, the, the guy is just a wrecking ball. So it's great to see him back. Um, and I'm really looking forward to Hunter Fasami at playing at 13. And an ex-rugby league player, Butte, um, Isaiah Parisi. He was a young Broncos winger and came mm. over to Union. Actually, I thought he was the best outside centre in the competition this year for the Waratahs. I thought he was the best 13 in the entire comp. So... We're starting why, to see why are you surprised by that? He's <laughs> yeah. an ex leaguey uh, no, no, any oh, leaguey that goes over. Curtis Rona played buddy for the Wallabies. So yeah, hey mate, uh, JP, me, mate, I played with Dell. I played with Dell, the big Delhi, uh, yep. Lottie Dickery, Matt Rogers is the great. And mate, Suli Valu, the ex Melbourne Storm winger, hopefully will get a get a start next week. Um, yep. Mate, I, I love leagueys, mate. They're the, yeah. they're the workers, mate. They're the workers. Yeah, yeah JP. Uh, Nick Frost will also make his debut. So 206 centimetres, 120 kilos from the Brumbies. But you were spot on last week when you spoke about the Brumbies combination. What I absolutely loved was the Brumbies front row last week against England and they were dominant. We, surprisingly, against normally that's England's forte is the, is the upfront stuff. And... And I think poor Eddie Jones. Look, Eddie Jones is a wonderful friend of mine. I'm hopefully catching up with him next week when they're in Sydney. And um, poor guy's under a lot of pressure, but he is the right guy to be to lead England. Um, I think he's the best, one of the best coaches in the world, and just going through a patch at the moment. And I think um, we see it across all sports, don't we? When there's a bit of pressure on from losses, and everyone's quickly pointing at the coach, let's get rid of him. But I think Eddie Jones is the best guy for the man. But um, but that Brumbies, you're right, you're right. Steve, that, um, that Brumbies combination. Pete Samu, who came off the bench, scored a wonderful try with incredible footwork. Um, well, they're the dominant side of the year. Like, it's like the Pen- Penrith Panthers, mm. right? Like, we see, we see them dominate the New South Wales squad for the state of origin. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the players that are in form. What happens tonight, JP? Uh, there's no doubt that England will come back with a vengeance. You know, there's probably a little bit of embarrassment uh, for them. Uh, against the 14-man Wallaby side. They haven't lost in their last eight games. They got done uh, over in Perth, and, you know, it's always going to be a tough contest up there at Suncorp. But how do you see it playing out, mate? Mate, it's always a backlash, isn't it? Like, you know, they're under the pump. But I think now that um, uh, Noah Lolitio has played or trained this week, he's, play- he's trained all week. The players, they're actually starting this week. Hopefully there's no injuries in the warm-up. Um, <laughs> We should see a better performance in terms of a clinical performance with better attack. Um, I think, guys, I, I actually think Sami Karevi is probably in the best, actually probably in the best shape of his life. So watch for number 12. I think he'll be man of the match tonight. Uh, but I think, uh, I think Australia can go on and, and take this series 3-0. We have to. Um, I think the first 20 minutes today uh, will be hell to skelter, like you said, Buse. But we need, we need to stay in the fight. Stay in, Maybe it's like the state of origin um, reference, right? Get in the grind, like up and back, up and back, up and back, and just defend, 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 and attack when you get opportunities. So, I think if I think if the Wallabies um, can take this series three 0 put us in good stead for the Bledisloe Cup this year, and we actually might be competitive. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, 
One final question, JP, because we're on our way to the news. Uh, you mentioned about the All Blacks last week and their test against Ireland. Now, 42-19, they've absolutely smashed them. But have you heard about, um, have you heard about Sam Whitelock, who he's basically self-reported his concussion symptoms? Mm. So he will miss the test, and Dalton Papali'i will wear the number six for the All Blacks in the second yeah, test. Yeah, big news. Yeah, big news. Yeah, I've actually got a, I've got a radio show in New Zealand that we spoke about it yesterday. And, um, oh, look, concussion is a big thing. Look, we've seen across many sports. And I think it's very brave, too, for players to come. I see. I think we're seeing Luke Terry at the moment with the Roosters and Rugby League um, going through. We saw, um, we've seen numerous players um, look at, because there's more statistics, right? Like, there's, there's more information out there about concussion. So I, I think it's incredibly brave, but... This young kid, Dalton Papali'i, oh my goodness. He's the Auckland Blues skipper. He's only a young guy. He is going to be a player of the future, I'm telling you, boys. You won't forget that name. Um, and last week, the All Blacks, probably the best first test I've seen them play in over a decade. So it's on my signs for the first like up. But, um, oh, look, the Irish will come back in terms of the fight. But I think, I think the All Blacks will win by at least 15 to 20 again. They, they are looking... Yeah, great stuff, JP. And when you mention about concussion, you also think, like, last week, I think Victor Radley took another hit. Like, it is concerning. And look what happened to Boyd Cordner. So, Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend. You know, that's, that's really interesting, yeah. Buttes, that a player will self-diagnose and say, I've got to miss this test match. So maybe some of the players... Oh, now th- well, it was a badge of honour once, wasn't it? No, you're you, correct. Well, mate, well, you know what? Well, it's, it was, you get knocked but, out I and mean, that's it. You, I, I don't know if you're feeling it now, but... I, but I like my memory definitely isn't as what it what it used to be. And knowing the concussions I had when I played, because it was back in the day, right? It was like that doctors would come on and go, "Is he alive? Yep, sweet, cool, smelling salt. Yeah, wake up, go keep playing." And it wasn't yeah. necessarily a badge of honour. It was more there was no information and there was no uh, attention about concussions and what could lead on for future life. And I think with professionalism and with players getting bigger, faster, stronger. Um, and the hits, like the hits now, the physicality side of things, yeah. techniques have gotten better as well. So, you know, we're just seeing players now, they have to, they have to make sure that they, they do self-diagnose. And oh, I think it's a massive pat on the back for Sam Whitelock. He's an incredible player. He's up around 140 test matches for the All Blacks. Um, was a huge dominant force in the Super Rugby final while the Crusaders won. So absolute rugby legend. So... And again, showing his legend status by coming out and, and getting mm. on the front foot. Well done, JP. You're uh, getting another standing ovation from myself and Buttes. Oh, us. boy. Two Love weeks it. in a row, mate. Two Su- weeks in a row. Such a pleasure to have you back on the show, mate. And we'll talk again mate, soon. I'll be on there anytime you need me, boys. Love you guys. Doing a great job. Doing what you guys do best. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Paul joining us. Over 70 tests for the Wallabies. Absolute legend. We're off to the news. We'll come back and we'll talk about... History being made last week. Dan Ryan leads the West Coast fever to the promised land. There it is. In Suncorp Super Netball. This is Saturdays on the Coast. We do it all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Start your dream home today, Buttes, with McDonald Jones Homes. Off to the news. Back in a moment. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast.
Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. And Buttes, you know, I've been looking forward to this all day, this uh, interview with Dan Ryan, coach of the West Coast Fever. I love when history is created and the way they went about their business this year was absolutely amazing to watch. They hosted the grand final in front of a sellout and Dan Ryan has led them, as I mentioned a moment ago, to the promised land. Dan joins us live from WA. Good morning, mate, and congratulations. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much. It's been uh, an amazing week of, of celebrations here in the city of Perth and with the team. And um, I think it's slowly, slowly sinking in what we've created and how much of an impact it's had on so many people, which is just amazing. Dan, you were first team through to the grand final. Uh, but Vixens, I guess fair to say, were the benchmark team this year. But, you know, just amazing what you guys did last week. I've got to put it down as one of my favourite moments of 2022. And to see the way that everyone rallied around, including former coach Sue Gordian, that finally you guys have pulled this off. Yeah, I think um, the Vixens for us were always uh, the benchmark from pre-season. They really set the standard very early on in the year as to what it was going to take to, to be the best this year, I guess. And, you know, they, they knocked us off three times through through the regular season, including obviously that pre-season cup grand final. And um, we knew that the times that we hadn't beaten them in the rounds, that we were nowhere near our best. And our form was really impacted through the home and away season through all of the, the COVID impacts and the injuries and um, I guess the lack of continuity in our lineup because of those challenges. And I was really comfortable with that because our form was held back and I knew that we were never going to be playing our best netball in the rounds. And come the last couple of rounds of the season, when we got the full contracted team back on court together, I, I could see that we were turning a corner and uh, there was just this feeling inside the group before the semi-final against the Vixens that we were poised to strike. And, um, you know, it all came together throughout that final series. And then, you know, on grand final day for it to be the first time all season we win all four quarters for every player to win their position. Uh, it was the stuff you dream of. And I think it's something that we'll never, ever forget that the stars aligned and it was just one of those days where, you know, we really couldn't do anything wrong. So, yeah, very, very special indeed. Yeah, Dan, uh, Butes and I, Michael Butner, we're fighting to ask the next question. But here are the numbers, Butes. So uh, 70-59 is the full-time score. Record crowd, 13,908 at the RAC Arena in Perth. Janelle Fowler, who we spoke about last week, 58 from 59. And then on Monday night, she wins for the fourth time West Coast Fever's MVP award. Butes, next question. Yeah, just Dan, just in relation to, you know, you think about you know, the performance of the team and how well they executed. As a coach, you must be extremely proud because ultimately how you want them to perform on, on that big stage, right, you can put everything in place and you'd like to think that you've got everything in place. But when everything that you've done actually comes out and the girls manage to do what you were hoping they would, it must be very rewarding as a coach. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And I think that that's where the element of it feeling so surreal comes into it. And I, I certainly wasn't shocked that we won because I knew deep down that we would and we could. It was more that element of, you know, the language of like you're living the dream. You've won the premiership and it's come together perfectly. Everyone has delivered. Everyone has showed up. Everyone has played well. It's mm. just the, the probability of that happening on grand final day, it, it's, it's not as it's not as clear cut, and the fact that we were able to do it and everyone was able to do it was 
amazing. And I think going into the game, um, you know, externally there was a lot of noise saying that it was ours to lose and we were the favourites. And, and then other people saying, oh, Fever can't win the big ones, it's never going to happen. But as a, as a group this year, um, I really made sure that we spoke openly around what we wanted to achieve and how we were going to do it. So I really made sure there was no elephant in the room where we were where we were fearful of saying that we wanted to play finals, we wanted to make the grand final, we wanted to create history, we wanted to be the best. Um, to ensure that there was no fear of failure within the group, that we were all in it together, we were all sharing the vulnerabilities of what can go right and what can go wrong. And I saw a group in the final series, particularly in that grand final, that was for the first time probably in their careers, genuinely ready to handle the moment. And I think it takes a lot of... Uh, a lot of self-reflection and a lot of uh, bravery to kind of dive deep into your emotions under pressure and how you handle those occasions to really truly be able to execute. And because the group was so willing to do that um, and we found ways to alleviate pressure and have a very healthy relationship with pressure throughout the season, particularly at the back end, um, is how it all really came together. So the girls have to do a lot of work to get into that space for it to be as seamless as it was on grand final day yeah. but um yeah if you're willing to dive deep great things can happen mm. yeah you know but a quick story i was lucky enough to meet dan i think he'd just come back from the uk and he impressed me immediately we might have been down at the ais in canberra and i did a quick interview with him and just so impressive came back from the uk spent time at the thunderbirds which is an important part of your narrative but Dan, in your West Coast Fever side, you've got a great leader in Courtney Bruce. And then on grand final day, someone like Sasha Glasgow has the game of her life. Can you tell us more about her impact on the grand final? Yeah, I think, you know, the other element for me going into the job was to ensure that all the players in between Courtney Bruce and Janiel Fowler really understood how dangerous they were individually as well. I think there's always a lot of talk around even being so centric around Janelle and around Courtney, who are two incredible players in our team and really essential bookends, so to speak. But I always felt that the, the skill set and the weaponry of those in between were going to be the players that actually won us the premiership because of, of what they could do to oppositions. Um, and Sasha Glasgow this year, you know, I, I gave Sasha her debut back in 2017 at Adelaide when she was a teenager and she, she was a young training partner there. And I said, Sasha, you're going on the court. You're up against Shani Leighton. Good luck. Um, <laughs> it was a special moment that was shared. And so to be able to reconnect with her now and this being the first time in her career she's played 60-minute matches at goal attack. I remember the round three game against the Firebirds was the first time in her career she played a full game at goal attack. And... Um, she just kept smashing ceilings all season. And um, in the semi-final, she only put up three shots because she need, only needed to put up three. But her role was very much around um, creating havoc at the front of Jay and, and feeding Jay. And in the grand final, we thought that we could just shift things slightly and get her to be really aggressive to post to further challenge uh, the victims' defenders. And, and the way she was aggressive in one-point range and lethal in two-point range and Probably more importantly, her work rate at the front of the circle, working with her mid-quarters. Uh, breakout season for Sasha, and she's only going to get better, which I can't wait to see how far she mm. can go. Yeah, hey, by the way, with Janelle Fowler, she breaks her own Suncorp Super Netball scoring record, which is, you know, it's mind-blowing, really. And she makes it look easy, but Dan, as a head coach, we know it's not. Like, her positioning... 
you know, and she stays close to the rack most of the time. But tell us a little bit about the superstar in your team. Uh, I just have all the time in the world for Janelle, and I think she probably doesn't get the accolades for how good she is often enough. I think a lot of people will see the amount of goals she scores, and a lot of people will straight away gravitate towards, well, she's extremely tall, so it's easy to put the ball in her hand. But when you actually see her in a training environment and you see how hard she works in the gym on her strength, you cannot move this athlete. She is one of the most physically robust athletes you'll ever see. And then there are a couple of times in the grand final where her body was at full stretch and controlling the ball with her absolute fingertips to save it from mm. uh, the feed that was coming in. And it's stuff like that you just look at in awe going, how on earth did she do that? And, you know, even the way she moved, she's a powerful mover. You know, a lot of a lot of her work sits around the goal circle, but she can get on the extension, she can get on the move, she can dodge, she can roll. And the exciting part about Jay is I think she can get so much better. And what's scary is she believes it too. So um, she's hungry for more success and she knows there's another level in her game to unfold. But she, she genuinely is the greatest goal shooter of all time. And to have her in our team, we're so thankful. And, um, you know, she's the first one to praise all of her teammates in front of her that put the ball in her hand for her to break those records. You know, she can't feed herself. She's got to, she's got to be there for them and, and they've got to find her. And, um, yeah, she's a very humble athlete and certainly rewarding of, of all of her MVP accolades. And more importantly, she just wanted that premiership and now she's finally got it. Yeah, Dan, uh, we're getting the wind-up from our producer. Can you believe that? I, I've kind of got three final questions. I, I'd love to ask you about men's netball. I'd also like to ask how you've evolved as, as a coach since the Thunderbird days and now at the West Coast Fever. But also, have you got a role at the Commonwealth Games? Surely you'll be in Birmingham in some way, shape or form. I will be on the couch enjoying watching that ball for the first time in the lock time uh, and cheering hard for the Diamonds. That, that will be my role. I'm sure you'll do it well, mate. Yeah. I'm sure you'll do it well. well. Well done, mate. Congratulations. We'll have to get you back on the show because uh, Nerida Stewart's a regular. She's now the coach of the Australian men's team. And, yeah, we were staggered to hear there's 100,000 male players nationwide, and that's fantastic for the sport, isn't it? Uh, it really is, and I think the game's growing. I think, you know, Netball Australia are now starting to embrace it and acknowledge, which is really important, and... You know, at Fever, we've got four contracted male training partners that have been huge to our success. So the men in our game play such a huge role and um, I think it's critically important that we become incredibly inclusive for the first time and do it properly and, and make sure everyone is well aware that netball is a sport for everybody. And, and while our wonderful women are the leaders of our game and are the benchmark of our game, they always will be. There is, there is absolutely a place for, for boys and men in the sport too. Yeah. Hey, uh, we do a thing on our show, a uh, standing ovation. And uh, you are getting one after an incredible win last week against the Vixens. For the first time in a quarter of a century, West Coast Fever are the premiers. Dan Ryan, thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I told you, Butts, I've been looking oh, forward fantastic. to that all day. Fantastic. What a great interview. Yeah. He seems like a very, very smart coach in the way that he approaches it and put that... You know, put that, you know, talks about pressure and how they handle the situation and then it wasn't something that was going to, you know, overcome them as players. I love that. I love uh, that approach. Don't forget, too, he started playing as a young boy. We actually didn't talk about that in the interview. Mm. But so he's had a lifelong love of the game. And now as head coach, uh, you know, what a performance. And, you know, it was tough for him. I would have liked to have delved into the time at the Thunderbirds and then what he's done with the West Coast Fever. And they had to get the monkey off their back. So... 
We're off to a break. It's Saturdays on the coast. We'll come back and wrap everything up live from Terrigal Surf Club in a few moments. All thanks to Robson Civil Projects and McDonald Jones Homes. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. Final break live at Terrigal Surf Life Saving Club. Thank you to Terrigal. And don't forget, this venue is live for hire, and it's mm. one of the world's best venues. It is, without doubt. An absolute cracker of a day today, and the venue itself is fantastic. The best view in town. Hey, Butes, uh, what's been your favourite interview so far this morning? And there's been plenty. Well, mate, it's hard to say. I think Dan Hall, I, I love I love listening to coaches, especially successful coaches. So Dan Ryan? Did. Dan Ryan was outstanding. Um JP and his insight in terms of the rugby union and how that all played out. Look, all our guests have been amazing. Nick DeVivo. Nick DeVivo. 17, 6'6", six six and serves at 220 k's an hour. So if you, if you missed any of the interviews, uh, you can download the catch-up podcast on the SEN app later on today. Just looking at the cricket, so let's throw back to headquarters momentarily, and Adam Staples is there steering the ship. Adam... Uh, Manus Labashain and Stevie Smith, absolutely sensational. Exactly right, guys. Uh, five for 298 at Stumps, Australia. And you mentioned Labashain, 104. He uh, was dismissed. But we've got Steve Smith at the crease along with Alex Carey. He's not out 109, Steve Smith. Alex Carey on 16, not out. So the Aussies in a good position as they head into day two, which will be underway at 2.30 our time. Yeah, and by the way, the uh, Adam the Tennis being uh, broadcast tonight on SEN? Yes, that's exactly right. So we'll have you covered right here on the SEN network. Yeah, beautiful. Any final words, Butes, on this Super Saturday? Well, obviously there's a, a lot of sport going on. And, uh, you know, it's a big few days up in Queensland. Suncorp Stadium tonight will be chock-a-block, I have no doubt, with the Wallabies taking on England. And then, Steve, you head up to Suncorp yeah, now Wednesday did, night. Did you say you want a top and tail? Uh, possibly. I might. You know what? I might do a last-minute uh, <laughs> flight up there. We're going to create a big pillow wall if that's the case, I can assure you. It'll be massive. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be burning the midnight oil with the Wimbledon finals. Also, they're into the mountain stages of the Tour de France. There's so much sport to indulge in. Good luck to all the local athletes this weekend. Rugby is on. Local AFL is on. So we'll have updates for you next week. And we'll be live from the hockey on Saturdays on the Coast next week.